This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman, host of the Hoffman Show, 3 to 6 each and every day on the Team 980. That's Logan Paulson, my co-host on Countdown to Kickoff, and a 10-year NFL veteran in terms of importance. I put those things backwards. Uh, played 10 years in the NFL, 6 here in Washington. So, Logan, let's uh, let's get to a couple of mailbag questions, uh, some on, some off the field. Uh, the first one is from Craig. Uh, he, he's got a question. It's me. I have a question. Uh <laughs> Chase Young, what kind of impact can he have in this game if he is back? I don't know. I don't know. And I think Come on. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very I'm gonna be very <laughs> honest here. I'm gonna be as honest as I can be. So one of the things about Chase, and I talked about it on this podcast, is I felt like he had lost some of the things that he did in college really well. They made him a they made him a dominant pass rusher in terms of consistency down and in, down out. And I think that that again is was somewhat indicative of the coaching situation at the time. And I want to see that Chase Young come back. A guy, I don't, I don't really care about his athleticism as much. I want to see a guy who's consistent with his run angles, consistent with his assignments. Because right now, I think one of the things that has elevated this defense and made them more consistent is you have three dudes, four dudes, who do what they're supposed to do down in and down out. You know, uh, James uh, Montez has been excellent at this, Casey and F.A. They do what they're supposed to do. And they, you know, I don't think anybody would say Casey Tuhill is better than Chase Young, but the defense, because of how it's structured, is predicated on that principle, right? And one of the things Chase was not good at when he was playing was doing what he's supposed to do consistently from a pass rush discipline standpoint and from a rundown standpoint. So I want to see a Chase Young that brings some of that same discipline that he had in college and applies it if he is playing this week against Philly to the game. A guy who's not going to be freestyling, not going to – he makes plays in the context of the defense. And, again, that to me – like I think he's a tremendous athlete. I think he's a generational guy. I think all of those things, those accolades we were giving him when he was drafted and after his rookie season are still on the table for him. But he needs to make sure he understands how he fits in the defense because he's one of the most physically gifted guys on the face of the planet. So I want to just make sure that he knows he understands that and he knows how the defense is operating and how he fits within that scheme. So situationally, uh, or like, let's assume he's on a, he's on a pitch count, right? He's sure. probably going to play ten, somewhere between 10 and 20 snaps, like 15 is probably the sweet spot. Uh, that's just a yeah. pure guess. Uh, we might know more by the time even folks are listening to this. Ron Rivera, I'm sure, will be asked about this in his Thursday press conference. Um, but if he's playing like 15 snaps... Are you trying to use him on third downs? Are you specifically not using him on third downs, like situational pass rusher? Like, how are you using him 
knowing you've only got so many snaps that you can use him? I mean, obviously, I think you want to put him in a situation where he can be the most impactful, and so that would be situational pass rush. You're going to be very impactful there. Um, but again, I don't know where he's at. I don't know what he knows. I don't know what he feels comfortable with because I think he's he's pretty good against the run. He's excellent against the run. He's very physical. And so if he's more comfortable doing that kind of less explosive activity, then I want to get him in and get him get him reps, get his feet wet, get him feeling good. Um, and uh, so, again, it really depends on how he's been practicing, what he feels comfortable doing, and um, and where his headspace is, honestly. Because, like, yeah, I want him to rush the passer. But if he's not going to do what I want him to do, I want to kind of, again, against Jalen Hurts this week specifically, discipline pass rush is going to be very, very important. You know, and I think it's it's been interesting to watch, you know, with F.A. And, and, and Casey and James when they do rush the passer. They're not the most effective, but they're where they're supposed to be. And so it right. limits some of the ability for the quarterback to get out of the pocket just because those guys are doing their job. So I think that's going to be – I think that's a huge key to the game is containing Hurts in the pocket on third down. That comes down to defensive scheme. That comes down to um, rush lanes, rush discipline, the types of stunts you're running – and understanding kind of the group you're working with. And when you add a new piece, and even though he's one of the best guys physically in the NFL, how is he going to respond to that? Has he, does he have enough reps to kind of work on all these things that Ron's been touting over the last nine weeks? Right. Uh, I will say one of my favorite rushes of the season was from James Smith-Williams last week in one of those situations. I think it's a play that Payne actually gets a sack. But like mm -hmm. the James starts wide to make sure that the quarterback stays in the pocket. And... I think it might have been on third down too. So like, you know, hey, let's keep Kirk in the pocket and make him try to get the ball out. Yeah. Um, not let him run around and make a play. Uh, and and James starts his rush wide and the tackle, like instead of matching him, just like kind of goes back and James goes, okay. And just bowls <laughs> straight through the space, straight through the tackle and meets Duran at the quarterback. Payne gets there first, but it would have been a sack for James. I just thought it was hilarious to watch yeah. James just run through this tackle. But that's the exact kind of thing that we're talking about, right? Yeah. Like the ability to like create a boundary and then yeah. do not let the quarterback out. Meanwhile, collapsing that boundary to shrink it uh, without yes. leaving any holes for, for someone to escape. All right. Uh, continuing on the, uh, the questions that we are taking for our mailbag today, you can tweet them at Craig Hoffman for future questions. Uh, an overall take on actually, I want to save that one. Let's, let's save football for last. Let's do this one from big John. Uh, with the latest embarrassing episode, the Brian Robinson being included in the lawyer statement, does Animus start to build in the locker room towards the owner? All of his other BS has landed outwardly, but this time it hits home with the players. How can this affect prep or play? And the reason I we are going to tackle this one while saving a lot of the reaction this till Monday is we also uh, just saw this story where Benjamin St. Juice, uh, the interview took place before this incident. Um, but last week told a French newspaper uh, that in an article that came out today that there's, he feels like there's been a cloud over the organization since he got here. And that cloud is ownership and he would be excited for a fresh start. Um, Nikki Javala, uh, our buddy, our pal uh, just reported that Ron talked in the, the team meeting this morning about the statement. Uh, so clearly this is something that they are addressing internally. By the time this podcast comes out, we will probably know a lot more about what Ron told the team. Um, but just generally, Logan, like we've talked about this before, you are someone that when you played were extremely focused on your assignment, your thing, but that is not a universal stance. And do you think there's a much greater chance that 
as if players get roped into some of this ownership stuff, that it does somehow affect a football team. Yeah, and I think the so I think what he's talking about there is something that everybody who's played for this team has felt at some point. You know, and like you said, I was very dialed into the football thing, but I didn't realize kind of the weight of the organization until I went to a new spot, until I went to Chicago, which was not which was by no means like sunshine and flowers or anything like that, but at least the the off the field stuff was not there. You know, you come into the open locker room and you're talking about the football team. You're talking about the opponent. You're talking about your assignments. You're talking about your responsibilities. You're talking about your missed assignments. In Washington, the dynamic was so drastically different than that, right? Every single week, every single day, it felt like you were talking about something that was not related to football, but rather the kind of the ownership level, the the team name, whatever it was, some type of scandal um, around the team. And I think, you know, like when you talk to people in the building, when you talk to people um, who are very influential in the building, one of the things they're saying is it's like our goal is to just get back to talking about football more consistently, giving the media here things to talk about that are more about the team, right? About the football, about the product on the field. And this is the type of stuff that makes it impossible to do that. And every single week this year, think about it. Think about every single week we've had something to talk about outside of who we were playing that week. And that yep. is the crux of that statement, I think, by Benjamin St. Juice. The, the cloud is not necessarily Dan specific, but it is, it is team culture specific. And maybe you can kind of work it back to Dan that way. But that's, that's one of the issues about playing in this market and I guess with this leadership structure is that there's always things outside of football that I don't care about. I don't want to talk about that. And it is stressful to talk about that. Right. Cause I understand that if I say the wrong thing, like Benjamin did in this case, it gets blown up and we have to have a team meeting about it. Right. And Ron's probably like, we, we all feel this way, but we can't say it to the media because now we all have to talk about this. Right. So I think right. that's what I would expect Ron's comments to reflect. So I definitely understand the, the question I think is good. I think you always feel that you, this is part of the reason you get paid is to handle stuff like this um, as yeah. a kind of pseudo celebrity professional, right? You get paid to handle this stuff, but golly, man, right. it if is. You, if you just wanted to play football, you go play in the park with your friends. It, it, yeah. It's the professional and the media and the fans and all of it that, that makes you able to make the money. Like that is, right. that is where the money comes from is, is the ecosystem in which you exist. And this is part of it. This is part right. of being a professional. Um, unfortunately, like you don't have to <laughs> like answering for your owner doing terrible things and getting in, you know, putting out petty uh, statements and all those kinds of things uh, that that should not be a part of being a professional. Um, that, that's not a requirement because no other team in the NFL has to deal with it. But right. for this team, uh, they, they have their own things and dealing, you know, talking to the media and, you know, answering questions about football and maybe even other things like it also has a positive side, right? Like if you do yeah. work in the community, like it's a chance for you to have a bigger platform and make an impact that's positive. Unfortunately, but I think play for this team, this is a part of the equation. But I think that's the thing that's frustrating is like, ideally, that's what that's what you should be talking about. Like James Smith Williams has an event that you helped put on or, or your or Rachel yeah. put on where he gets, you know, a high school football team together. They watch a movie and they talk about what it means to be a good man. Right. That is something that should be talked about. That's something that should be lauded and, and, and 
and rewarded, but it gets zero publicity in this market because there's a billion other things that are that, that take precedent, right? And right. Um, and I think that's the thing. And so, in answer to the question, does this statement about Brian Robinson cause f- fractions in the locker room or schisms in the locker room? I don't think so. In some ways, I think it galvanizes the locker room because it's kind of like right. Forget this, like, but you can't, you can't leave your teammates. It's, it's like, it's the being on a team is such a unique thing in that way. Like, I, even if someone does something bad, like, it's like he's part of you, I got family for the, this team family. And so, Brian Robinson didn't do anything wrong here. In fact, someone did something to him, right? So, I'm going to be more right. protective of that, right? Right, and, does and that I make think, sense? What right, totally, no, a hundred percent. And, and so, like, it's not really schisms within the locker room, it's just like, do you feel motivated to show up for work? Right. Like, like yeah. I don't, I hate this stupid team. Like I hate that dumb owner. I don't want to go to work for like, I, I don't want to put that Jersey on like that. Even subconsciously, does that affect your focus in meetings? Does that affect the, your willingness to put in work outside? And for a lot of guys, the answer is going to be no, because the, the margins in the NFL are too thin of being on or off a roster. Right, it's, like if you go so out close. and put a couple of games of, of bad tape out there, what are you going to tell your next GM? Is there they're like, hey, we're thinking about signing you, but these three games, man, like they're bad. Oh yeah, I just got really downtrodden by the fact that my owner is was being a, a whatever. Insert bleepity bleeps here, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's not really unfortunately how this works. Like there there is room to be human, but only so much, um, and that that is a tough thing. Which is why I think like. Part of the reason we we're actually spending more time on this, frankly, than we intend intended, but like it's in part because I want to see how Ron responds to this. Because if I was mm-hmm. Ron, I would get in that locker room or get in front of that team auditorium and point upstairs, although it's down the hall in the park, um, and go bleep them. Like we're not here for them. We're I'm here for you. You're here for him. And like start pointing at, at teammates and all those kinds of things. And that's how I would try to galvanize the team. Uh, you know, around Brian Robinson, around each other. I mean, frankly, around Ron. Like, Ron Rivera lost his mother last week. Right. And this two-day stretch, I do believe, allowed him to go to the funeral. And Ron Rivera has to come back from his mother's funeral and deal with this, again, bleep. Like, that's garbage. That sucks for Ron. And, and as much as I, you know, there are times that I have sympathy for Ron because... And, and times I don't, where I'm just like, Ron, you signed up for this. Like, who did you think this guy that you're going to work for was? But, uh, like, something like this should just never happen. And so I, right. I genuinely feel awful for Ron here. And there's been so many things that have happened to him that are so far beyond anything that anyone could have imagined. And this is just one of them. Um, you know, the Brian Robinson situation the first time around, and now yeah. how they're handling it now. It's just like, I feel awful for Ron. I think there is a chance for the football wing of the building to galvanize around each other. Um, but it so. also, like, that is also in its own way emotionally draining. And I don't know how sustainable yeah. that is throughout the rest of the season. I, I think that's a really astute observation just like the emotional drain right the season is very draining anyway and so at some point like frankly logan i'm exhausted and all i do is talk about it every day (laughs) yeah i mean i think uh yeah so it it is very draining and this this just adds to that i I think i think there is a world where this galvanizes and i also think you'll never hear about what ron says behind closed doors unless it's leaked and i think he's going to say something very different to the media which would be my expectation right he's got to kind of placate all parties here 
Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how that comes out. You know, I'm sure he'll say like, I don't care about that or whatever, but he's going to say something very different to the team. I, I would imagine just being a part of yeah. stuff like this in the past. I do think that Jason Wright put out a statement last night that basically like blamed the outside council and, and kind of said like, this wasn't us, this wasn't, you know, the team. And I do think Ron might take a similar path. I know at this point or at the point that people are listening, they'll know what he said. Um, right. but my, my prediction, uh, now that people can be like, ha, you were right. You were wrong. Um, as if that matters in this particular case. But, um, I, I, I do think that he will be like, yeah, that was completely inappropriate. And, you know, we support Brian and we're disappointed yeah. in that statement, but you know, we also, you know, they're the lawyers trying to do his job or whatever that is. All right. Last yeah. mailbag question on the way out football, football thing to, to kind of put a nice soft landing on the podcast. Well, you have to talk about Scott Turner and, and criticism of him, so I don't know if it's your favorite topic. <laughs> An overall take on Scott Turner tweets Sammy. Uh, Logan says Scott can make a strong case that the offense is working. So Sammy, podcast listener, was listening on, on the last show. Uh, just not being <laughs> executed. However, wouldn't a good OC call plays that players, parenthetical QB, can execute? So how, how do you walk that fine line of like the play works on paper, but our guys are not executing it well? Yeah. Um, Sammy, that's a very astute observation. Let me just say that. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I do think, uh, God, Craig, I mean, so, okay. Yes, there, there is, a, there are plays that can be executed better. Right. And there are plays that you say, Oh, like if I'm the OC, like if he just does this, you know, I was the run game corner at a high school and I did that a lot. Right. Oh, if he, if the receiver catches the ball, we are in a situation where we can win this football game. Right. But then I got to really look at myself and say, am I putting the receiver in the best position to catch the football? Or am I putting the, the guard in the best position to make this block? And those are the questions that I would like to I, – I have not gotten to talk to Scott. I've gotten to talk to Scott. You know, Craig, you would love talking to him. He's really into powerlifting, loves lifting weights. Really? Great human being. Yes, I would love to talk to Scott. I, and I'm hearing him talk, like he's clearly smart. It's just, you know, yeah, can you make it work on game day? Right. And so when I think back to like, I always think back to like my time with Kyle and we would do installs as a team. He would have the O-line, the running backs, the wide receivers all in there for the run install. And he would go over every position. It took forever. But you better believe he took ownership of that standard. He said, this is who we are. This is who we want to be. I want everyone to know what I know with regarding to this. Right. And I think that's that's something that I I still have questions about is if there are these types of mistakes, if the quarterback's not reading this effectively, whose responsibility ultimately is it to get that done? And is it Zampezi as the quarterback coach? Is it Mascow as the O-line coach? Is it the O-line themselves? Are they just not studying enough? Is it the quarterback not studying enough? Those are all the questions that come out. But ultimately part of me, part of, a small part of me wants to be like, Scott has a responsibility as the, as the leader of this offense to get that execution and done at a higher level. Right. And I think right. that's where I get a little bit, you know, I'm defending Scott and I think Scott deserves to be defended because there are opportunities for this offense to be successful. But I think there's also things where I'm like, someone needs to hold the standard here and who is that person? And so that to me is the, my answer to that question. And you can fill in the blank there. I'm not going to like put any words in anybody's mouth. 
Right. You know, to me, it's, it's a combination of both, right? Like if I am in any of those people's shoes, I am looking in the mirror going, what can I do better? If I'm Taylor, I'm going, Scott, I'm sorry. I got to be better. Right. If I'm Scott, I'm going, Hey Taylor, I'm sorry. I got to be better. Like if I'm Terry, if I'm or I guess John had been playing, but if I'm, if I'm Curtis, like if I'm the O line, if I'm Charles Leno, like everybody in, until they like, until you play a perfect game, you yeah. can do better. And in your right. job to do that, I do think there is obviously more global problems of like, we're not very good as a group at this thing. So let's either fix it or stop doing it. The screen right. game to me is the number one example of that. They keep going back to it and it's not working. Is it, well, it's that interesting. Scott shouldn't call those plays or do they just need to execute them better? And like, that's, that's something they have to figure out. Right. And I would say, Yes, on both, right? And I think there, there's been a personnel change. I think when Cosme and Sadiq were in there, they were they had personnel that could execute screens at a very high level. And you go back and you look at the Dallas game and you watch Sadiq and Cosme just tearing out of there and making blocks, right? Also, I think there's times where the receiver isn't running the route effectively on the screen to open up the coverage. Like you've talked about your story with uh, Crowder taking a step forward and coming back. Yep. Like there was a play where Gibson catches a screen. I'm like, he's got to be a little bit deeper to make this work for the for the cross section, like getting behind the block, like those are small details that need to be executed. Now, is that the player? Is that the coach? And I think to your point, it is everybody, right? In terms of responsibility, like who's taking that responsibility? What was the exact phrasing of the question again? It was like who's, um, yeah, I forget. Now it, we're, I don't want to get to it. Too was off. wouldn't a good OC call plays that players can execute? Yeah, and so it's, which it's, gets it's down all, to exactly what you're talking about, right? Like. Right. Is it, is it, Hey, uh, Terry on this screen, you need to take three steps up, then come back. Or like your tempo needs to be this. So the block is right. like screen specifically, we, we could do, maybe we'll do this in the off season. If we get really bored, we will yeah. get, you know, someone from the Andy Reed coaching tree or the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. We'll, we'll get, we'll find someone who's great with screen execution and be like, or we're going to talk through Golly, they're excellent. Yeah. They're phenomenal at it. And it's like, the 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 margins on screen between two yard loss and eighty yard touchdown are that, right. and like if the block hits on time and the runner gets through the alley on time, monster play. If the DB can get up into that play a quarter of a second sooner and trip the guy, it's a two yard loss, and like. When those are the margins, every detail matters. And so, you know, can the players execute it? Well, it depends on how detail-oriented they are, which is both a reflection of them and how well they're coached. And so I, I do think that there are some just basic functions of the offense that, you know, if you called only the plays you knew were going to work, you'd be staring at a blank sheet. That's the nature of the NFL because <laughs> the other guys get paid too. Um, and, and you're t dealing with players that are human. And, and in Taylor Heineke's case, like not an elite player. That's not meant to be a shot at Taylor. It's just a reality uh, of yeah. who he is. Um, a lot better than a lot of people thought he was, but but not an elite player. Like if you're Andy Reid staring at the play sheet, your plays that you're pretty sure are going to work are a lot longer. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the rub here is that it's it's a yes and or a yes both, not a this guy or right. that guy. And right, right. Um, I know that's not really a satisfying answer, but that is. But it's the true. Answer. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's a really nice way to nice succinct way to finish it. Right. With football, um, it, it's always multifactorial. It's it's you know it's you as a teacher, it's them as a student, 
it's the execution of that information learned and lost right so it's it's all these things and i think um i think i, I the reason i bring up the scott thing is because i think scott can has a defensible position um but it's also kind of like you know can scott be better and i think the answer is yes and but can the players also be better and i think the answer to your point is yes yeah, definitely. Um, when you are scoring less than 20 points a game with this amount of skill on the field, um, there's, there's clearly more than one thing going wrong. I think that's that's another way to put it as well. Uh, that's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. You can catch us previewing the game Monday night on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. I know we're on the Team 980 for the entirety of the 6 to 8.15. I think we're simulcast for part of that before some Capitals hockey, if I'm remembering the schedule correctly, on 106.7 The Fan. But if you're listening on the Odyssey app, uh, then, then, then you get the best of both worlds. So just go ahead and uh, check us out there on either feed. Uh, you can download the Odyssey app for free anywhere you get your mobile applications. And you can download this podcast wherever you're listening right now. So download, subscribe, and we will see you Monday for more mailbag questions and a game preview. We're trying to catch up with Elliot Shore Parks again from Go Birds. We'll see if we can make the scheduling work. But we will have something for you Monday morning. And then we will also record our just our like kind of on our usual rhythm next week. Uh, we will have Monday, Wednesday, Friday pods. And instead of rushing out an immediate reaction, something uh, on Tuesday, we're just going to record our full. Uh, actually, tell you what, Logan, th- this is what I think we'll do. We'll record our usual time on Tuesday, and we'll just put it out Tuesday afternoon instead of Wednesday morning. So instead of uh, – sorry, sorry, Matt. Matt, the producer, is learning about this right now because I just made that decision in real time. Uh, he's like, great, fantastic. But we can just put it out Tuesday afternoon. You'll have a full – like Logan has watched the tape uh, review of the game that happened Monday night, and then we are back on rhythm uh, with our game preview again next Friday for Houston. So that is what's up here. So subscribe and you'll get all of that in your feed as soon as it's available, which again becomes very important on Tuesday. Uh, and, And that's it and that's all for this edition of Take Command. Rambling outro over.